Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Um, good morning, friends. Um, I, let's just close our eyes and um, just sit in, uh, in that word for a second. Um, maybe there are things that have been spoken over you this week that um, the Lord wants to use that word to remind you to maybe not allow those words that were spoken over you or about you to, to soak into you. Or maybe there were things that were um, said over you this week, some encouraging words that were spoken about you or to you this week that um, you can just remember those words right now and allow them to soak in, allow them to be on the forefront of your mind. So it's not only hearing the word, but also allowing it to, um, to come in and, and ruminate in us. to affect us and to change us. Yes, Lord. God, we're so grateful um, for friends who are, are close and that we get to see often and, uh, and friends who come from far away and, and come to see us and spend time with us and, um, and can speak love and goodness over us and remind us of who you are. God, thanks for the special things and the special people, the special moments and words. Soften us today to you, to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been going through uh, this series on our values, and today we are talking about creativity. And I want to look at creativity in this context. Creativity is the process by which we transform the world to look more like heaven every day. And the word I want us to focus there is the last word on the top line, process. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'll let you know that, that one of the things I spend a lot of my time doing is working with artists and together we produce this big event in downtown Orlando every year. And I was talking to a friend this week and I said, one of the most challenging realities about that and also simultaneously one of the most exciting things is that we do this thing every October and then that's like on a Friday or Saturday and then Sunday morning we just have to start all over. Like everything that we just spent a year doing finished and now we're starting all over. Even kind of in a micro version of that on a more regular basis, every Sunday there's a team of people who are working to make this thing happen. And Monday morning the process starts all over again. Um, I was in New York at the Metropolitan Museum and there was this painting on the wall. It was across the room and it was something that just caught my eye. So I walked over to it and I read the little plaque next to it with the, uh, the painter's name and the, the title of the piece. And then there's usually, you know, a couple sentences about the piece. 
And uh, one of the things that they talked about were the dates of the painting. And so, you know, usually it's like, you know, they'll put just a year on there. This one had a, a year and then a dash and another year, and it was two years in between. And the painting was probably only about this big, and it was kind of abstract, it was a lot of color, and it's one of those things where you could walk up to it and you could think, oh, well, you know, like my four-year-old could have done that in about 60 minutes. Um, But it was two years that this artist had worked on this particular painting. And I think for me, when I think about creativity, it is so much about the process. But contextually, we often think about this idea of creativity to be a spark or a moment or something that just happens. And honestly, I think that's even a challenge when it comes to looking at Jesus and how he operated. There were all of these moments where Jesus would, you know, walk into a situation and it would be one way and he would go in there and he would just say something and immediately everything everything was different. Or somebody would be lame and couldn't walk and he would say something and immediately that person would get up and walk. And we cherish the moments where things just happen like that. And I believe that things can just happen like that. But I think from life and experience and what I see around me every day, that so much of our life is a process And creativity is a process. And I think in the same way, faith is a process. And as we talk about creativity today, I think we're simultaneously talking about what it means to be a person of faith. Because creativity is the process by which we transform the world to look more like heaven every day. And I think the Christian process is exactly the same. And in so many ways, creativity and the creative process is the Christian process, and what it means to live a life of faith every day. I think one of the reasons a lot of artists fail is because they think about creativity in the context of a spark. And I'm going to wait until I'm inspired to paint, or I'm going to wait until this magical moment when something happens and I'm going to go write a song and it's going to be a hit song, and it's going to come as the result of some sort of instantaneous and spontaneous moment. And sure, moments of creativity and inspiration happen, but the creative process is just that. It's a process. And the same is true about faith. I think we grow weary of our faith when we expect it to be just one succession of spontaneous moments, as opposed to understanding it as an ongoing process of transformation And so that's what I want us to look at today. And I think we we can stand on the foundation of this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It's the prayer that we all were like taught to memorize in second grade. And it's that prayer when Jesus is teaching us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says this to them. This is how you should pray. And he gives us this kind of model. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so we start out, if you want to go back to that last slide, of just this recognition, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's this recognition of a stillness, of a relationship of a connection with God. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the process of faith. And this is the process of creativity. 
And we're going to look at what defines a creative life and what defines a creative community as we think about this concept of your kingdom come, your will be done. What Jesus is saying here is let us see something in the future or let us see something today that we have not yet seen. More of heaven here and now, the process of transformation. And before we get into these attributes, let me just say a brief word on creativity. You know, I think we've talked about this a lot, and hopefully we're at this place of understanding, like, this is something that we have access to. And so I just want to kind of give us this foundation of, like, creativity isn't a talent. It's the ability to see the world with flexibility and resilience. I think in culture, we think about creativity. Creative people are people who make things, or creative people are people who are designers, or painters, or musicians, and they do something artistic. And for the purposes, I think, of our conversation this morning, and for the purposes of our everyday lives, for us to understand creativity is not a talent. We're not talking about painting pictures or writing songs. We're talking about an approach that we take when we come to the world. And it is this this flexibility and resilience that is the antithesis of a rigidity that keeps us at a distance from the world around us, but a flexibility and a resilience to step into that world with the expectation that the things I see and experience today are not God's intention, and therefore I have a resiliency when I come into the world believing that things can be different and that God's heart is for me to take to to take part in that process. And so creativity is not a talent. All of us are welcome to the conversation today. I know painters that aren't all that creative. They're painters and they do this artistic thing every day, but when it comes to approaching life, there is a rigidity and there is a formula and there is kind of a hardness and a distance to the world. And I know engineers who are so creative and they work with numbers every day and their goal and their job is to make sure people don't die in a building because they use math to understand how much concrete can hold, how much weight concrete. I don't even know what engineers do. But I know that they're around so that we don't die. But they, uh, I know engineers that walk outside of their mathematic career and look at life with an expectation. And that's what I think we want to talk about today is how do we develop that kind of expectation to life that is the heart and core of creativity? And then how do we look like when we begin doing that? So these are the attributes and characteristics, and I think that there is an unlimited number of them. But some of the ones that uh, I want to highlight today, and there's just four of these kind of attributes or characteristics of creative people and creative communities. So first, um, and I feel like we've already almost kind of breached this in practice. So awesome, because I think we're already doing this. Um, A creative culture is sensitive. So it's sitting out here and in the midst of worship listening and saying, you know what, I I hear God, I I sense God saying to this as a people in the midst of this worship moment. And then it's moving out into life and uh, what has become the age-old tradition of brawing. (laughs) Just going to keep bringing it up till we do it. Brar, breathe, remember, access, reveal. It's a message I gave a couple months ago when we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Breathe, like since how are we developing sensitivity as individuals and as a culture? 
And it has this, it has this, uh, this proactive practice of in every moment, okay, I'm going to breathe in this moment. I'm going to remember what God says, what God is saying, what he declares about who we are, what he declares about this moment, what he declares about the people in it, what he declares about me in the midst of this moment. I'm going to remember. And then I'm going to reach out. I'm going to access the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to access the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to reveal it into the world around me. I think sensitivity is something that we develop over time by in taking, taking intentional moments to breathe and remember. And I think a creative culture is sensitive and it makes us more aware of and it connects us to the emotional and the spiritual realities around us. Now, I think the enemy of sensitivity is distraction and fear. The distraction and fear are the enemies of sensitivity. And so yesterday, I'm working on finalizing this message. I'm sitting out on my porch. I'm writing notes. I'm trying to be sensitive. I'm trying to to develop the discipline of remaining focused. And like in the back of my head, out the screen, I'm like seeing the plants outside and I'm like, I could just take a break from this like mental energy and, and this, this energy that it takes to be connected to this content and to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And I could just distract myself and go out and just like turn on the hose and water the plants. It's a nice spring day. And there's something therapeutic about that. There's something good about that. At the same time, there's this other competing thought in the back of my mind. It's like, just look at Instagram one more time. Right? We develop these distractions that prevent us from being sensitive in a moment. How many times have you been in a moment waiting for your pickup order at a restaurant? Right? And you're standing there. And what do we do? Like we immediately go to the distraction of social media instead of saying, is there something happening here? Is there a person literally inches to my right or my left that I could say hello to and have a conversation with? I think distraction becomes the enemy of sensitivity because it says to our mind, don't engage here and now in this moment, but be distracted with what could be or what's happening over there. So distraction is an enemy of sensitivity as is fear. Fear becomes an enemy of sensitivity because fear makes us feel things, or sorry, fear distracts us again from sensitivity because sensitivity will mean feeling things we don't want to feel, right? So if we're afraid of feeling certain things, if we're afraid of what might happen if we stop and we reflect, if we're afraid of what the Lord might call us to in a particular moment, if we truly do begin to listen, And so fear keeps us distant and it becomes this shell that we build so that we aren't sensitive because sensitivity will mean feeling things we don't want to feel. And that can be really scary. It's understandable that we would be afraid sometimes to allow sensitivity to be part of our lives. When I think about this kind of sensitivity, this awareness, this connectivity, I think of uh, the movie Pandora which, right? No, Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> right? They live in Pandora. Right? Um, and and it's, it's just this picture of, of beings that are connected and beings that are sensitive and beings that feel not only their own feelings and emotions, but are connected to the other beings around them in a way that they're sensitive. Anybody read The Flight of Passage, Ride, The Animal Kingdom? 
yeah, well, it's like three hour wait. So if you haven't ridden it yet, I totally understand. Like wait a year, it'll be like 45 minutes. Um, or just wake up 7 a.m. and get that fast pass. Anyway, um, so the ride is amazing, and the concept of it is a concept that's introduced in the movie Avatar. And so um, the Avatar people, the Na'avi, ride these things called banshees, and there's this, this kind of braid that comes out of the back of their head, and they connect to the banshee. And it's this kind of, you know, you watch somebody who's really adept at riding horses, and they move with the horse, and there's a connectivity, there's a sensitivity to what both the human is doing on top and what the animal is doing underneath, and it's kind of that picture, and they connect to the, the banshees, like, literally through this, like, braid that comes out of the back of their head. And, and when I think about sensitivity, I think about it in that context of like, how are we connected to one another? How are we understanding and perceiving the emotional and spiritual realities around us? How are we connecting to the people and things around us? I think there's something really beautiful, but there's also something really difficult about about being that level of sensitivity, at that level of sensitivity, because it requires a deep level of maturity as well. And if we're not mature in our sensitivity, It can become a liability, but when sensitivity is healthy, I think this is true. Sensitivity makes us vulnerable, but it's not a liability. When we're mature and growing people, sensitivity does make us vulnerable because we will be feeling more, because we will put ourselves in situations where we're aware, but it's not a liability. It's not something to be seen and looked at and be afraid of. It's something to be valued, even in the midst of that vulnerability. I mean, think about just like walking down the street. And we're walking down the street, we're in downtown, and we're aware, we're sensitive to the needs of others. And we come across someone who um, may need help in some way. Maybe they're, they're saying they're hungry or they need money. And to, to just turn off sensitivity is to immediately say, no, I'm not going to help you. But to turn on sensitivity says, I'm at least going to start by listening. And then I'm going to use my discernment in this moment and ask, what should I do? How should I respond? How can I connect with this person? And there's vulnerability there. There's vulnerability in just opening ourselves up to listen at times. But it's not a liability. It's something that opens us up to a deeper experience with life. And then I think there's this other half of it as well, that healthy sensitivity is undergirded by divine strength that frees us from offense. Because when we become sensitive, when we begin feeling the, the, the emotional realities of the people around us, when we begin listening more acutely, if we're not moving into a place of divine strength or from a place of divine strength where we're even listening to the word that was delivered to us today, that this is who I'm saying you are, that God is saying this is who I'm saying you are, right? If we start listening more to the world around us, it opens us up to all the messages that we're being bombarded with all the time. And we're listening to those messages more. And if we're not undergirded by this divine strength of understanding who we are, 
of intimacy leading to understanding a deeper piece of our identity, leading to our purpose. If, we, if we're not secure in those things, as we start listening to those voices and listening to those messages, those messages and those voices might lead us to hear the things that are being said, take them personally, allow them to define who we are, and we walk away offended. And so a healthy culture, a creative culture is sensitive But if we're not mature in that sensitivity, a lot of times that sensitivity makes us offended. But if we have the understanding of who God says we are, if we walk in the divine strength that is offered to us, it frees us from offense so that we can take all those messages and filter them through the truth of who God says we are and what God is saying. Because our sensitivity is not meant to turn in on us but it's meant to lead us to serve others well. So that, that, that sensitivity, that deep level of sensitivity, that connectedness to the other people and things around us isn't meant for us to like take it in and into ourselves and onto ourselves. It's meant to then turn us back into the world to serve others well. And when we become sensitive, we see the unseen and we hear the unhearable. This, again, this, like, this message of faith, this message of being a follower of God, of listening to this still, small voice. When we develop sensitivity, when we embrace sensitivity, we become more acutely aware not only of the people and things around us, but the voice of God in our lives. And sensitivity awakens us to the needs of others and the character of God to meet those needs. So we're listening to God. We're more sensitive to his voice. We're more sensitive to the needs and the, and the concerns and the emotional realities of the people around us. And we step in to meeting those needs. And sensitivity happens because we're people who are willing to delve into making space to become and develop sensitivity. And so each Wednesday night is an example of this. So each Sunday we've been talking about one of our values. And then on Wednesday nights, we gather together on Wednesday nights in order to leave space to go deeper into those things, to explore those things and to take time to open ourselves up to saying, Lord, what does this mean for me? How do I experience this in my everyday life? And I think it takes time to develop making space to become more sensitive in a healthy way that allows us to hear God more and to be more aware of the needs of the others around us. So creative culture is sensitive. Two, a creative culture is redemptive. Redemptive people love things right where they are and walk with them to where they could be. And I think this is the, the, two, the double-foldedness of redemption, is we love things right where they are while still seeing where they could be. I think sometimes we default to one of these or the other and we miss out on the fullness of redemption. Either we're people who are very pastoral and are just loving people right where they are and we just sit there with them over and over, day after day in perpetuity, or we're more inclined to the prophetic and we're saying, this is where we could be, this is where we could be, and we ignore where people are and we keep walking farther and farther away from people while declaring the way things could be. And redemption is marrying the pastoral and the prophetic 
to say, I love and embrace you right where you are, and I am committed to being with you as we journey forward into what could be. And that is the process of redemption. And a creative culture is redemptive. We start where we are and we move to where we could be. We're moving forward, not accepting what we see in front of us as the inevitable reality. Rather, every moment and today being a step in the process forward. And we all have this opportunity. And I think... You know, I think sometimes we're inclined to just step away from moments or step away from people when it's not easy. But a creative culture is one that says, I believe in something that I cannot currently see, and I'm committed to being engaged with you today so that we can walk forward into what God is declaring about the truth of our future. And I think this requires overcoming a doomsday mentality of going like the world is going to hell in a handbasket and everything is falling apart and truly embracing creativity and working to restore and rescue. That is the process of redemption. And it has everything to do with being people who embrace the creative component of seeing the unseen. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith. And it starts out with this, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and how they lived based on what they could not see. This is the story of Moses rescuing the people from the oppression of Egypt. Moses saw a different reality for the people. And even along that journey, even on that long process, they said, why can't we just turn back to where we were? Why can't we just go back to the way things once were? But Moses saw and believed in faith that God had a better future for the people. And today was not the day of fully recognizing that. Every day that they walked through that desert was not a day of fully realizing what could be. But Moses had faith in what he could not see. And a creative spirit has faith in what it cannot see. And says to the people, I'm here with you right now. And together we are engaged in this process of slowly moving forward. One day at a time because the creative process and the process of faith are simultaneously and equally sometimes difficult and painful and long. And we're engaged in that together. Uh, Gosh, it was probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I don't know. Uh, Daniel Barr, who left, uh, and I were over at Lake Ivanhoe and... uh, And we were sitting on this bench just having a conversation. These ducks, um, like we're walking by on parade. And uh, one of the ducks had a limp. And uh, it, it was just this interesting moment where both of us noticed it. And we were like, maybe we should pray for that duck. And so we did. It would not allow us to lay hands on it. But we just prayed for this duck. And 
And it was just this thing of like, okay, we see the, the limping duck in front of us. And, you know, we believe in the restoration of all things. We believe in the redemption of all things. So like, let's take a moment to like resonate with the sensitivity of the duck and, and like pray for its wholeness. And to be aware of like how sin and brokenness not only affects our lives, but affects everything around us. And be part of the redemptive process in all creation that God is dreaming for. This thing that's yet to be completely unseen, but it doesn't mean that we give up on it. It means that we realize that today is the next step in a long journey of redemption. And together we are part of that. So a creative culture first begins with this soft sensitivity, and then it leads us into the place of being part of the work of redemption by believing in faith the things that we have yet to see fully realized. Number three, a creative culture tries stuff. A creative culture tries stuff. And this is interesting because I think a lot of the like world of faith is about making rules and living by the rules and creating structures and formats that we start to feel comfortable in. And faith becomes this thing that begins to paralyze us from actually stepping out and growing when that's exactly what it's meant to be all the time. It's meant to be a catalyst and a relational context to facilitate our forward movement and our relationships with one another as the church and our relationships with the world and in our relationship with God. Faith is meant to be an ongoing momentum-filled process. And sometimes I think it allows us to sit back and develop systems and formulas that lead to our comfort and become a, a catalyst for stasis in our lives when really it's meant to be like a boost of like rocket fuel to propel us forward and then serve as the relational context for that ongoing forward movement. And even last week, Ryan mentioned it a moment ago, last week we did this worship experience where, you know, the seats were different and there was a table in the middle and we had these different experiences that were tactile and we walked in and we sat in silence for nine minutes. Like, that's not something that I think most of us are used to doing in church. It's not something that even maybe we're used to doing in our own spiritual practice. The idea of just sitting in silence for 10 minutes or asking the question like, how does this bouquet of flowers represent God's call for us as a people to embrace unity and diversity? And to utilize these experiences just to just try stuff. I remember one of the first times we did this, gosh, it was like a dozen years ago at this point where we were like, okay, we're talking about the idea of faith. How can we like demonstrate this idea of faith in a way that will really help people like experience it in a, in a real way. And at the time we were meeting at Discovery Church and the way their building was set up at the time was there was like the main room where we would meet and then there was like a smaller kind of chapel space to the other side of it and they were attached by these double doors and we we're like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna black out that smaller room. Like no light in there at all, cover the windows up, and then we, uh, we got these, like, we built these stanchions that we ran a rope through them, and there was just this kind of, like, maze of ropes. 
um, that people could, that they could hold and they could walk through the dark. And so we asked people to write an area of their lives that they needed more faith on, on a card. And they held that card in one hand and they held the rope in the other hand and they just walked in kind of contemplative prayer, holding the rope, recognizing they couldn't see. And there's this idea of like practically executing on this idea of believing in what you cannot see. And we had expectations of what, you know, what would come out of that experience. And we had hopes for what would come out of that experience. But then after that worship gathering that night, like I heard people talking and I was like, yeah, I was like, honestly really scared because I didn't know how fast I should go or how slow I should go. And I didn't know if I was going to run into somebody in front of me, or I didn't know if I was going to go so slow that somebody was going to run into me behind me. And, you know, if I let go of the rope, I would have no idea what to do or where to go. And it became this thing. It was like, we had intentions of what would happen when we tried this thing, when we invited people into this experience. But one of the beautiful things is that there were then all of these other things that came out of that experience that were totally unexpected and really, really beautiful. And that has shaped me in huge ways in the way I see and approach the world. That when we try stuff, yeah, we'll have expectations of what will happen, but there will always be all of these other things that we did not expect. And a lot of times those things are way better than even what we were expecting when we stepped into trying the thing in the first place. I think when we try things, it's when we begin to grow. The only way we discover new, deeper realities is by going to places we've never gone before. The only way we discover new, deeper realities is by going to places we've never gone before. I think there's a lot of beautiful lessons for that in life and in creativity and in faith. And I think if we're people who are willing to step outside of what's comfortable and go to a place that we've never gone before, it's when, that's when we will see the deeper realities that God is calling us into. And it's not always easy, and sometimes it's really beautiful, but there is another... Uh, well, actually, let me, read this, uh, let me read this verse from Ephesians 2.20. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So the the metaphor that we're seeing painted for us here is this foundation of the apostles and prophets who have come before us and Jesus as the cornerstone, a foundation for us. But then what does that foundation mean for us? In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so we have this foundation of faith, and we have this foundation of our relationships based in faith, and we have the foundations of those who have come before us, but every subsequent generation in the church is meant to be brought together by the concrete of the Holy Spirit and add to the levels of the building that have come before us. We are meant to stand on the shoulders of the faith of those who have come before us. The beautiful picture that is being painted for us here is that faith is an ongoing continual growth of understanding of depth and relationship with God and the world around us. It's a continual growth of the way that we interact with 
the world around us to manifest that prayer that we read from Jesus early in, in Matthew chapter 6, of thy kingdom come, of thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are part of this ongoing building process. We are part of the process of continuing, continuing to reveal more of the truths of the realities of heaven in the world around us. And the only way that happens is because we're willing to try stuff, to step out into things that we've never done before and co to go places we've never gone before. And I think one of the challenges of this is that it's not easy. Like creativity is not easy. Faith is not easy. And a healthy church culture is expectant of seasonal change. Again, going back to, I think a lot of times our expectation of church is it becomes this comfortable place that is really familiar and, 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 and at times immobilizes us from the actual growth that God is dreaming for us. But if we are growing and if we are creative and if we are maturing, we should be anticipating changes from season to season. I mean, I have, I have very good friends who like have been part of our church at particular times. Who, who will go away and they'll just say, you know, it's just not like it used to be. And I think that there are some good things about, you know, tradition and, and things being the way they were. But I think we as a people, we as a community, if we're growing and maturing, we should expect seasonal change. And that the way we look a year from now, we should be able to look back to this day and say things are not like they used to be in a really beautiful way. So if we're growing and maturing, we're expectant of seasonal change, but not everything is going to work out the way we hope for, and that's okay. When we try stuff, not everything is going to work out the way we hoped, and that's okay. One of the things I talk about a lot when I talk to artists is like, if you're a songwriter, you should expect to write a hundred bad songs for every one amazing song that you write. Like every good song is, is like hidden behind a wall of a hundred bad songs. And no musician wants to sit in their room writing a hundred bad songs. It's miserable and it makes you want to give up. But the only way to come to the gym is to filter through all the junk. And the same thing is true in our lives, and the same thing is true in faith. Like God calls us into a life of faith, and a life of faith is messy. And when we try stuff, it is not always going to work out the way we hoped, but that's okay. I think sometimes we're immobilized by the fear of sinning, the fear of messing up. And so we just try nothing at all. God is so full of grace for us, and we should use wisdom to avoid any potential pitfalls that we can. But if our fear of messing up immobilizes us from moving forward, therefore stunting our growth, we've missed the point altogether. So creativity invites us to try stuff, and it's not always going to work out the way that we hoped or expected, but that is okay. That's why in 1 John chapter 4, we're called to test the spirits. It's this idea that like some stuff's going to come your way and it's going to be great. Some stuff's going to come your way and it's not. Don't be afraid of that. Just test it. Develop your sensitivity. 
Ask, is this in alignment with the voice of the Holy Spirit and the ways of Jesus and the words of God? And so we're invited to try stuff. Not everything's going to work out. A lot of times it will, and it'll be way better than we thought it would. But even when it's not, that's okay. Failure isn't making a mistake. Failure is when we don't learn from our mistakes. And so I think we're immobilized because we're afraid of messing up. But even when we do mess up, it is, it's like this is the redemptive nature of God. The redemptive nature of God is so strong and so amazing that even when we fail, he redeems it so that it is another opportunity for growth for us. And so we can mess up, but it's not failure if it's an opportunity for us to learn and move forward. All right, last point. Here we go. A creative culture is incarnational. What does that mean? It means that we change the world around us by making stuff. There are a lot of people who say they want to be artists, who say they want to, you know, develop their creativity, and they never make a single thing. And I think the same could be true for us. We can sit in our church, we can sit in this space, and we can just say, you know what, we're just going to talk about God, and we're going to do our own thing, and we're going to come in, and we're going to sing the songs, and it's going to feel good, and I'll work on me. But a creative culture and a culture of faith that is following Jesus and responding to the call to co-labor with him to transform the world around us, that culture is incarnational. Dreams without hard work are useless and dreams with hard work change the world. Again, back to process. Creativity is a process. Life is a process. Faith is a process. Relationship is a process. And I can sit in my, saw, my, my room all day long and dream about being an artist. Dream about being creative. Dream about being a fruitful Christian. But unless I'm willing to do the hard work of sitting in a room with other crazy people who are going to make my life way more difficult, and I'm going to make their life way more difficult, but if we're healthy and moving forward, we're going to have a ton of fun doing it, and then we get to work and we sweat and we bleed, our dreams are useless. They're nice, but they're useless. We love to dream. Have I told you about my dolphin dream? Yeah? It's quickly flying in the back of a truck, along the ocean, dolphins, rainbows. I pull out my phone. I'm taking pictures. Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper stuff. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing dream. I would love to just dream dreams all day long because they're fun and they're easy. And literally, I have to do no work at all, right, to dream. But when we're incarnational, when we're responding, responding to the call of Jesus to co-labor with him, to manifest heaven on earth, it's hard work. The disciples go away and Jesus has sent them out and said, go and practice the things I've been teaching you. They're utter failures at doing it. And they come back and they said, Jesus, we prayed for these people and they weren't healed. What's going on? And Jesus looks at them with compassion and a little bit of a challenge at the same time, like loving them where they are and helping them move forward. It's like, how long? How long am I going to be with you? And how long am I going to have to like tell you just like we need to increase our faith? And it's a process. It's an ongoing process and it's not always easy. But we are called to be incarnational, to do the hard work that oftentimes doesn't feel good to respond to the call of God on our lives. And here's the thing. God is committed to his agenda. God is committed to his agenda of heaven on earth. And he's going to do it, and he's going to accomplish it. 
And I'll say this, God doesn't need you to redeem things because he's committed to the work and there's 7 billion people on the face of the planet and God's gonna do what God wants to do and he's gonna find somebody to do it. But he wants you to experience the joy of being part of it all. He wants you to experience the joy of being part of it all. I, I truly and firmly believe that like, there are things that God has done in you that will allow you to accomplish what God wants to do in ways that no one else can accomplish it. But God will accomplish his objectives regardless of your willingness to participate in it. But God wants you, God wants us to experience the joy of being part of the work of revealing heaven on earth. And so let's respond to that invitation. As a creative culture, building a creative culture, building a creative habit inside of us, of being people who develop sensitivity, who are engaged in the work of redemption by loving things and people where they are and walking slowly and over the long haul into where they could be. By trying new things and not being immobilized by fear or engaging in endless distraction. And lastly, engaging in the work of manifesting the things that God is birthing in and through us. Here are the four steps that I think define the creative process. I think we have those. Do we have those there? Access the unseen. Wrestle to bring it into existence. Present it to the world and manifest transformation. As a visual artist, I'm going to go into this quiet place. What is the picture that I see in my head? What is the thing that is stirring me? I'm going to access the unseen. And then I'm going to go into the studio and I'm going to wrestle to bring it into existence. Every brush stroke, every color choice. And then I'm going to muster up the boldness to present that work to the world. And then I'm going to pray that it doesn't fall on deaf ears or like move into obscurity with no one ever saying anything. And I'm going to pray that it manifests transformation in the world around us. This is the creative process. This is the Christian process. I'm going to access the unseen developing a deeper level of sensitivity to the voice of God, to the needs of others. God's going to give me vision. God's going to give me dreams. God's going to give me understanding of what he wants to do in a moment. And then I'm going to engage in the hard work of bringing the unseen into existence. Then I'm going to present those realities to the world, engage the world, walk with the world. And then I'm going to pray that as the Holy Spirit breathes over those efforts that it will manifest transformation. The creative process is the Christian process. And I don't think that we can be all that God has called us to be as individuals or as a community without embracing creativity as a central tenet of what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. In, a, in so many ways, like creativity is messy and it's dangerous and it's scary. And, and like... There's so many studies that talk about how creative kids are, and over time, like, the, just the atrophying of that creativity in people. And I think it's because kids in that context don't have fear about what people are going to say about what they say or the story they tell or the picture they paint. They're just doing it because they love it. They're not going to have fear 
about solving a problem wrong, and so they're going to approach that problem with different ways of seeing it and understanding it and approaching it. That's why Jesus calls us to childlike faith, because kids are creative and they're fearless in some really cool ways. So that's my prayer for us today. Let's stand up. Close our eyes. I'm going to read these four things again, and I want you to pick one that you think you're most afraid of or most averse to or whatever, just the one that you have the hardest time with. A creative culture is sensitive. A creative culture is redemptive. A creative culture tries stuff. A creative culture is incarnational. Do you have trouble with sensitivity, connecting to God and others, being aware of the spiritual and emotional realities around you? Do you have trouble with redemption, of loving people and things where they are and then walking with them over the long haul, seeing and believing in faith where they could go and be? Do you have a fear of trying new things, of stepping out, of allowing new experiences to help you grow in your faith and in your life? Or do you have trouble being incarnational? You dream a lot, but it never manifests in practical reality that maybe God's giving you dreams and you just keep them bottled up inside and never let them out. So just consider those for a minute. Now, um, I just want you to picture the grace of God being poured out over you for that. Like love and compassion and kindness, just like in a giant bucket, a big water tower of love and compassion and kindness and grace just being poured out over you in that area of your life. And now spend a second listening um, and communicating with the Holy Spirit about how to like take one practical step toward growing in that area this week. What's one practical step, one practical way that you can grow in your sensitivity or redemption, trying stuff or bringing that stuff to life? God, thanks for your grace for us. Help us to develop habits that um, lead us to fulfilling the things that you've called us to. And God, help us embrace the creative mindset that leads us to seeing the world with flexibility and resilience. Fill us with faith. And allow this time, even as we sing, to continue to stir up in us a heart of creativity. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.